guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of the Oxford Holy Club. We've made it. They said it couldn't be done. They said it was impossible. They called us a one hit wonder. But here we are, episode two. And oh, it feels so good. I'm your host, Brad Siliker, and I just want to let you know how excited I am for this show, because unlike our first episode, we actually get to talk to somebody else other than me today, and so that's really exciting. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to our special guest today, Lucas Candy. Hey, Lucas. Good evening. Oh, how are you, Lucas? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Just got back in from a a wet grocery run in a thunderstorm. You were buying wet groceries? <laughs> Apparently. By the time I was done, they were. Oh, yeah, it was raining here as well. Well, listen, Lucas, thanks for coming on uh, the show. I'm just going to let people know a little bit about who you are and how we know each other. And then, um, and then we, have, uh, we have a story to share with the audience at home. Um, Lucas and I met, oh my goodness, it's been over 10 years, man. That's hard to believe. Quite a while. Uh, we met at university in Moncton. We were both attending, it was called uh, Atlantic Baptist University at the time, not a sponsor. And, uh, and so we, were, we lived in an apartment building with two other friends, and it was a two-bedroom apartment with four guys. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was exciting to say the least. Um, Lucas and I had a mutual um, appreciation for video games, junk food, and, and those types of things. Um, at the time, I played in a band with one of the other uh, roommates, and when it came time to sell merchandise and things like that, because you know we were we were so right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Lucas was our financial backer because we had no money, <laughs> and Lucas actually had money in a book. He had a book in a bookshelf that that he had a cutout square that he would hide money in. Lucas, what was that for again? Uh, it was for my soon-to-be wife's uh, engagement ring money, um, and I just thought it'd be cool to have a hollowed-out book. I mean, it only works really well if you don't tell everybody about it, but I kind of did because it was so cool. So I'm like, hey, check out where I hide my money. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't the brightest kid in university, but uh, thankfully you guys were all very honest about it. Um, do you think your wife will listen to the podcast? I, I, I doubt it. Okay. Uh, she might say, she'll say she did. So, that's so follow-up question then in the hopes that she won't listen. Do I understand it correctly that you fronted us your engagement ring money? You put all your eggs into the Epic Union, that was our band, the Epic Union basket, thinking that the return would be so vast that you could get a whole other carrot of diamond? Or is that I how d- it works? I really doubled... I doubled down on uh, on you guys. No, I think if, I, if memory serves, I wasn't, you know, sinking the whole thing in there. I was just... Uh, I, I was giving you guys a float for your uh, merch table or something like that. I think, and 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 I also I think I was kind of the bank of Apartment Eleven because if if someone needed like a loan, like a little short term, I was, oh no, I was a payday lender. You, oh no, you were not a sponsor. You were a payday lender. Wow. <laughs> um, just just so you know, uh, investment. Uh, I think that was a wise investment. Um, every time I go home, I I see your poster with all of our signatures on it on my mom's fridge. <laughs> and that's the only place I see any of our merchandise is at home. 
I'm sure everybody else's mom has one in their fridge too. I really hope so. I really, I really, uh, do, do you still have any? Does your mom have a poster of us on the fridge? My mom doesn't, but every time I do a spring cleaning, I come across that signed poster and I'm like, oh yeah, but I haven't, I haven't turfed it, you know, cause that's going to only go up in value. I can only assume, you know, <laughs> I'm playing the long game. Well, thanks Lucas. Uh, appreciate all the money that you fronted us way back then. Uh, the other <laughs> thing that Lucas and I share in common is we each have uh, a relationship with Jesus and that was really, I think, the thing that solidified our friendship uh, was that we were able to be real with one another about who we were. And uh, Lucas has always had my back um, through the ups and downs of my own journey since we've met each other. I've always been able to count on Lucas to be there to encourage me to be a sounding board and have uh, just valued our friendship over the years. And now, now you say something nice like that because I had time to prepare that, but you didn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think it's really, I, well, I do, I do think it's really important because, um, now, you know, I know some of your audience is going to be, you know, younger, like high school age and, and, you know, that sort of thing. And in high school, it's not so hard to find, uh, you know, friendships. It can come fairly easily, but as you get older, it's hard to maintain. That's something you have to work to maintain those kind of quality friendships, um, because it's easy to hang out when there's lots of people, lots of free time. But you know, now that we're older and have you know families and jobs and all that rigmarole, uh, it is harder to to kind of find time. But it's still important. Now, women are really good at this. Like women usually will go out and they'll find friends and they'll find like kind of community. Um, and, but men, we don't. We have a harder time doing that. I think you know, there's always women's ministries at a church. It's it's more rare to find men's ministry, and I find that I'm so thankful for, you know, you and, and a handful of other guys in my, in my circle that, that I have share faith with and I can have fun with and, uh, and really get real with. And it's nice. And, you know, you and I have had lots of talks, uh, you know, just by while we're playing video games or whatever, we can, you know, get real about stuff. And, and it's always good to have guys in your life that you can do that with as you get older. Completely agree. Um, thanks Lucas. So I, I wanted to share with, um, with the people at home kind of a bit of the weekend that just passed. And, uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a little bit of my side of this story, Lucas, and then, and then we'll toss you in where you come in. And then, and then I want to share with you what happened after, after we parted ways. And, um, and spoiler alert, uh, we must have seen each other to have then parted ways. But anyway... Uh, my family on my wife's side, so my in-laws, planned this trip to, uh, to a, a park, oh, to Fundy Park. I wasn't going to name the park, but it's just no fun unless you name the park. The park is named Fundy. And, uh, and so I have never been to Fundy Park before. I've been really close, like just literally five minutes away from where we were. But I could never really say that I've been to Fundy Park. I've never camped there. I've never had an experience there. Uh, so as you know, if you listen to the first episode, uh, we live, um, a few hours away from that. And so, you know, we loaded up the family into the van and, and took off early in the morning for this trip. Uh, and so we, uh, we get there, we get to Fundy and, and the family is there and, and it's a beautiful place, beautiful park. If you get the opportunity to go, I would highly recommend it. Um, but there's a play set and all this kind of stuff for the kids. And, and so my kids are playing and I'm, I'm looking around and there's all kinds of parents and kids. And, and then I, I see my kids dart into the woods and I see a bunch of other kids go into the woods and no one's coming back from the woods. And I have no sweet clue what's happening. And so I walk a little closer and as I get closer, I see that there is in fact a slide um, that you walk up into the woods and you go down the slide. 
so that was all good. And then the kids and I played a little bit of football and, uh, and, and, and we were having a, a great time. The reason we went was because it was my in-law grandparents. So my wife's grandparents, it was their wedding anniversary and everybody wanted to, uh, to go. They camped there um, for quite a long time and brought their kids and the grandkids and, and all that. So for my kids and me, this was the first time we were there. So I'm playing football with, with the kids and the sister-in-law and we're just out tossing this Nerf football around. And I get this text message and it says, are you at Fundy? And it's from Lucas. Well, earlier in the day, I had texted Lucas saying that we were going to be going to Fundy. And, uh, and so for a minute, I thought he must have missed that. And, and then for whatever reason, I just felt like, oh my goodness, he's here. He's in Fundy. And so I turn around and right before me, what do I see? You've guessed it, listener at home. I've seen Lucas. Lucas, what were you doing at Fundy? Well, I was there with my whole family and we've been going since we were kids and, and my wife's family has been going since they were kids. So we go to celebrate my oldest son's birthday every year. And uh, we went to this kind of cool play park area and I was tuckered out from like hiking and, you know, being old and stuff. So I was like lying down having a little naparoonie and, uh, and I kind of wake up and I'm like kind of looking around and I'm kind of checking out the field or whatever. And I, and I see this guy playing football off in the distance and said, uh, you know, see this big old beard on him. And I said, oh, that looks kind of like Brad, you know, your back was to me. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's probably just some hipster though. I mean, there's probably lots of that look around. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and Appreciate then, that. I'm the originator. <laughs> yeah. And then I hear, I, I hear you do one of your little trademark laughs. I said, I'm all of a sudden I went from like being, you know, mildly, oh, that's kind of funny to like, I'm now 98% sure that's Brad. And we, you and I have been texting, uh, playing chess on iMessage back and forth, <laughs> that's right. you know, all day. Uh, and it turns out we were, you know, like 50 feet away from each other or whatever. So, and then I, I was like, oh man, I should just go like tackle him. But I, I couldn't take the 1% chance that it wasn't just some other random person. So I did kind of creep up to you and just say, hello. I did like the least fun way to do it. But yeah, that is the, uh, the story. And it was pretty cool to see you there. Cause I like, like I said, we, we're quite we're, we're 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 close friends. We talk all the time, but we don't see each other in real life very often because usually it's through you know like Messenger or Xbox or whatever. So we see each other like in real life, you know, a couple times a year usually. So yeah. it's kind of neat that we got a we got a freebie. Yeah, I, I did not expect that. I forgot that you guys traveled there as much as you do. Um, it's it it blows my mind that had we brought a chess board, we probably could have played real chess instead of <laughs> just chess on our phones. It like 50 feet apart, two campsites away, and we're texting each other and playing <laughs> <laughs> virtual chess. By the way, it's your move, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So um, as we do with the in-law family, they love to take pictures at every family gathering. Uh, the majority, the big ones, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, um, Father's Day, Mother's Day, Wednesdays, um, just, you know, but they love they love taking pictures and uh, and so you know we did we did all the we did some really nice photos of you know the different generations and and all that kind of stuff and um, Lucas I didn't realize had brought a drone with him 
and these drones, uh, I'm sure you've seen them. They can take, they take pictures and video and all that kind of stuff. And so I really, I'd asked Lucas if he would be willing to, uh, to put it up so the kids could see it and all that. And then he offered to take our picture, which was, uh, which was very nice of him. Uh, so, so Lucas got the drone up, the kids were ooing and aahing and, and all of that. And, and the family were waving at it before it was ever in position. And, and so that was kind of <laughs> funny to try and organize people to say, hey, it's not here yet, just a second. And, and so, so we get this wonderful picture, Lucas, and I want to thank you again for sending that to me. Um, we get this wonderful picture of grandparents, aunts and uncles. Um, how many grandkids are there? We were just missing one. Uh, well, I mean like that kid was at home with its parent. It wasn't in the woods or anything like that. We were, so, uh, maybe like six, Mm -hmm. six grandkids. And, uh, and so we get this wonderful shot of the family. The drone comes down, Lucas packs up, goes back to his campsite and we begin to eat cake at our campsite. So Lucas, this is the part that you don't know. Let me just ask you, if you were to look at the picture that you took, how would you describe our family? Uh, rambunctious, uh, fun loving. Oh, okay. You got all that from that picture, eh? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'm well, very intuitive. The next thing that happens after you're gone and everyone's done freezing for this photo is my father-in-law's sister comes over, wraps her hands around his face towards his cheeks and slaps cake all over his face and begins to rub it in on his beard and he, and he sits there and he just takes it and she's rubbing and now his, his beard is pink and, and, and like a hush kind of settles in over everybody as we wait to see what's going to happen next. And, uh, and he just kind of stands up and like clockwork, everybody just kind of reaches for their phone and starts snapping photos of him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well documented. Well documented. And and so that was the catalyst for what would take place, what would become known as the Great Cake War of 2018. The price was too high, Lucas. And uh Your my luscious beard was besmirched with oh cake. Oh my goodness. So my son Jaden, uh who you know, I've mentioned on the show and Lucas you know, um 6 years old, he looks up at his sister or at his um at his aunt and, and she says, Jaden, you should smell the cake very innocently. And so my boy walks over to the cake and he's got a tender heart and he puts his face to the cake. And the next thing, her hand hits the back of his head and sends it right into the middle of this cake. And so, so he, I maybe gave a thumbs up as approval. It's hard to know what happened next. But his face comes up and he looks like the saddest clown you've ever seen. He throws the biggest fit. His mouth is agape. The tears, well, his tears can't flow because his eyes are filled with icing. And he is just bawling. And and so he runs to his mother for comfort and, and, um, and he just kind of, he's just, he's just trying, he's just trying to compose himself. And so they get him wiped up. And then the next thing, someone grabs a hold of that sister who just put my kid's face in the cake. And he comes running over with a piece of cake and smashes it into her face. And then someone else grabs cake and it gets smashed into their face. And, and Lucas mentioned my beard. I take a little bit of time every day getting my beard uh, on point and working with my hair and things like that. So I just kind of get out of the way of all this. 
and I think I'm safe. And then the next thing I know, I can't see a blessed thing because I got cake all over my face. And when I wipe it away, my daughter, Harmony, is there. And she's just laughing hysterically that she was able to get me. (laughs) So after this wonderful picture where everyone was just together and it was all nice, it just broke loose. And cake went every. I don't even know if anybody ate the cake. It it just kind of went everywhere. I mean, I wouldn't at that point, but uh... no, I, uh, I I'm kind of a germaphobe, and so I had no interest in that. Your family needs to get you one of those Costco like beard nets so you can wear it at like family functions and stuff. You know, to keep it safe, <sighs> keep it secret, keep it safe. You think I can do that? Yeah, I think I'm sure you could. You know, slip somebody some money and get a box of those things. Fall off the back of the truck at Costco or whatever. Huh. Or maybe just like a Sobeys bag and put each handle on your ears. That would cover the whole thing. You know, a little I, dangerous. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say, we kind of teach our kids, don't put your head in bags. So, <laughs> so listener, if you are at home, we do not endorse or promote Touché. in any way any kind of bags being near your face. <laughs> um, Lucas is a teacher in Fredericton with a school called the Fredericton Christian Academy. He also has a social media business called Radix. And I also know, Lucas, that you are also directing a youth camp uh, this summer. And so why don't you talk to us, Lucas, about some of those things, what's going on in your life, and uh, and we'll just turn it over to you now. Sure. Thanks a lot, Brad. Um, well, I've been working at uh, FCA, Fredericton Christian Academy, for eight or nine years now. Uh, I came in as a, a teacher and, and did that for several years and, and really enjoyed it. And it's funny because um, I I went to a small Christian, you know, liberal arts university, ABU, now Crandall, and I loved it. But I and I loved, like, you know, the Christian atmosphere, the, uh, the small atmosphere, like everything about it I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, but when I went to do my teaching, I just never thought of teaching at a Christian school. And it wasn't because I thought about it and rejected it. I was just too dense to think about it. Um, and we, you know, I was in Ottawa for a couple of years with my wife and we moved back to, we moved to Fredericton and uh, I, I was, and I supplied for a year and then I, I got in at FCA, just kind of a, f- a friend of mine told me about an opening there and, and I just, you know, I just loved it. You know, the idea of being able to um, teach, which is a passion of mine, but also to couple that with uh, my faith and I can be honest and share my faith. And, you know, I've, I've talked to lots of public school teachers and, you know, they, they, they work hard and they love what they do. And, but it's hard because there is uh, definitely um, some, some things you can't talk about. And, and there are these just like, you know, I'm a teacher, so I want to teach you about everything, not just my subject, but also, you know, faith and how the world, you know, really works. And and here I'm, I'm free to do that. So I, I've enjoyed that. I did that for about four years. And about three, four years ago, I started uh, into a, a role where I teach part time. And I also um, I'm director of administration and communications, so I do the fa- like all the social media stuff for the school, which I love to do, and it's 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 almost easy to do because there's so many awesome things our school's been up to with all the stuff that's going on. Our school's uh, has a fantastic principal and and headmaster and. Um, and we're going through quite a growth phase. Like four years ago, we had 136 students, uh, and now we already have 250 registered for next oh, year wow. or more. So it's it, the 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 growth has been pretty pretty amazing, and there's definitely an appetite for uh, for what we do. 
Um, and my children all go to the school. It's a K to 12, but it's also early childhood center. So that's awesome. I get to, you know, bring my three kids to school with me every day and drop them off there. And, and they're in, you know, like a, a, a kind of a daycare situation. And my son's in grade two, are going into grade two. And my daughter's going into kindergarten. So they're, you know, they love that. And it's just, it's like a high caliber education, but it's also, you know, faith-based, which I love. So um, that's something I, um, I, I'm a big fan of. And I've always, I always kind of wanted to work in the ministry. I like, I worked at camp when I was a kid. I loved camp. I've always loved camp. Um, and it's obviously it's a school, it's different than camp, but it's got that ministry kind of aspect to it, which I do really enjoy. Um, and then as far as Radix goes, um, I just kind of took the stuff I was doing FCA and I really enjoyed. And I said, you know, I, I could use this as kind of a, kind of a little side hustle type of thing. And, and I have a couple customers and I've, I've, uh, I've coached, um, churches. I'll, like I'll do that for churches for free. I'll go in and just talk to them. Like it gets some, because it's such like social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter and all everything, the whole spectrum. It's so important, but some churches are just kind of scared of it or they don't have someone who can do it or whatever the problem is. And, uh, I have some like business customers that I, I charge, but then I, I've gone into a couple of churches just to give them tips. Cause sometimes they don't know what they don't know. And especially those like small to medium sized churches, when you get on the bigger side, usually you have someone that's part of their job description, but you know, with a small church or a medium-sized church, you know, everyone's wearing 50 hats and it's hard to kind of, it's, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle, but I've, I've gone in and given them some tips on how to kind of make it, um, make it with the least amount of time, get the best return for it and make it a kind of part of their church, which I think is something that a lot of churches are, are lacking, especially the small ones. So I'm always looking for people that, um, would just kind of need a little bit of coaching there. So that's one thing that I do. And absolutely. And uh, you were talking about camp, so I'm I've 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 never done this before, but uh, for a friend of mine, he's he works up at uh, Shiktahawk uh, Camp up in kind of uh, middle New Brunswick there, up in the you know Woodstock area, and uh, I'm going to be kind of leading all the messages for the week for the uh, you know six, seven, and eight year olds, I believe. So I'm I'm be getting my messages ready and my devotionals and all kind of stuff like that, and I'm really excited for that. It's something that um, I. I've always enjoyed when I get to speak. It's not something that I do a lot, but when I do do it, I, I enjoy it. My one challenge is I'm I've mostly taught middle and high school, so I don't have a ton of experience with you know the younger kids, except having children. Um, so <laughs> I'm just right now I'm kind of trying to get my head around how to kind of present the gospel and how to be um, engaging but not over their heads and how to be, you know, all, all that stuff, you know. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be next week and I'm taking the whole family and uh, my wife's only coming for part of it because, you know, she has a, a regular job. So uh, for half the week, it'll be me and three kids and try to keep them all wrangled at that camp. So that'll be uh, up. Uh, more fun than a barrel of monkeys, I'm sure. Well, that's something that you and I share in common, Lucas. I am also directing uh, our youth camp for our Nazarene church at a camp called Big Lake Camp um, in the middle of August. And camp, if you get, listener, if you get a chance to go to a Christian camp, um, I would highly recommend it. It is an amazing experience where you can have some time that is set apart in a place that is set apart for very specific work. Um, a lot of the growth in my own life has happened at a camp and, um, my own kids now are going, my daughter right now is at a camp for that age group that Lucas just mentioned. And, uh, th there was like 60, I think of them at, at, uh, the camp she's at right now. And to think of 68 year olds terrifies me. Um, so to any of you that, <laughs> that, uh, volunteer or direct those, God bless you. Uh, that is, that is something. 
I'd, I'd echo that, you know, and I've, I've talked to my students about this at school too. You know, we'll have camp directors come in and kind of give, you know, the spiel about, you know, come work for us or whatever. And, and camp is just an amazing, amazing thing. And when you talk to a lot of students or a lot of adults even, and you talk about, you know, when did you start to get serious about your faith? The two answers I hear the most are when I went on a missions trip or when I went to camp and uh, I, you know, I grew up going to camp um, as first as a camper then as a like volunteer, then as a staff member. And it's just, it's just amazing. So like, even if you're going as a, like as a, as a teen or as a, any, any age, it's so much fun to go. And it's so cool to go to a place where people are on the same kind of, you know, wavelength as you. And they're, you know, you've got Christians who are, who are trying to, you know, follow Christ. And, you know, maybe at your school, there's only a handful of you, but all of a sudden you come to this place and there's a ton of you and it's so much fun. And you, you make friends for life, you know, of the guys that stood up in my wedding, of uh, the five, two of them uh, were people that I met um, at camp, and they were camp friends. And you know, yeah. I still keep in touch with them today. I met my wife at camp. Like it's just, it's stellar. And and I'm always impressed as an employer, like when I'm looking to hire someone, and I look at the resume and I see that they've worked at camp, because that tells me that these guys know how to work. Like that, you know, there's no, there's no lazy staff members at camp cause they won't keep you cause it's too much work. But, uh, but I know that they know how to have fun. I know that they know how to improvise and think on their feet and they know how to, uh, you know, just, uh, work hard and have fun. And that's, and that means a lot to me. And I highly encourage you, whether it's as a camper going to a teen camp or just even volunteering or going to work there, it's, it will change your life. It's amazing. I completely agree. Thanks, Lucas. We'll be right back with more of the Oxford Holy Club podcast with special guest, Lucas Candy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for our Not a Sponsor segment of our show in a little segment we like to call... Nobody does so lately I find myself being quite tired and uh, maybe it's the late nights, maybe it's the bad food, maybe it's the kids that won't sleep. But nobody does it better at waking me up in the morning than Kirkland's signature breakfast blend coffee. Comes in a Keurig cup. You can buy a hundred, one hundred in a box at Costco. And don't think I don't, because I do. I've got them in my office. I've got them at home. I don't go anywhere without Kirkland signature breakfast blend. Not a sponsor, but nobody does it better. Well, welcome back, everyone. Um, as you know, the Oxford Holy Club is named after the group that John and Charles Wesley uh, began at the Oxford University. And the purpose of this group was an accountability group with uh, a few other men. And when they would gather, they would go through 22 questions and they would ask these questions to each other and they would answer them honestly. And, and so I have the list of, tw of the 22 questions. We're not going to go through them all tonight. Uh, but I did want to start with the first question that they were asking. And so, Lucas, um, I'm going to throw this question out and, and uh, maybe we can have some conversation around it and kind of see what the Bible says uh, about some of, uh, some of this. Uh, so the first question that was asked was this. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am. In other words, am I a hypocrite? Now, before we talk about this, uh, I would like to define that the term hypocrite means it's someone that says one thing, but they do another, or they pretend to be someone they're not. 
What do you think of this, Lucas? This is the first question that they would ask each other as they're trying to be accountable to one another and to God. They would say, am I a hypocrite? I think, Brad, I think that's a great question because of the fact that one of the kind of top criticisms of Christians, not or and Christianity, is that it's, oh, Christianity churches, they're just full of hypocrites. Um, yeah, so it's that. good to be to be doing like a hypocrite check. Um, now, to be fair, like, I think that's kind of like asking the question, am I selfish? And the question is yes. And <laughs> am I a hypocrite? Yes. Um, to varying degrees. Uh, where, and, and I don't think it's a Christian thing either. I think everybody's a hypocrite. You know, they, they put on airs of who they are to some degree. And I think the more comfortable you get with yourself and as you, if, and when you're a Christian, the more, uh, you know, the closer you get to God and the closer, the more you're actually studying his word, the more comfortable you are with yourself and your identity, the less like you, you are to kind of put on airs and to try to be someone you're not, to try to impress people. I, I think you're right. I think we've spent an awful lot of time cultivating or, or creating um, this persona that everything is okay. You know, a fun fact, Lucas, did you know, and, and you probably did, that during Jesus's time, the term hypocrite was the common Greek word uh, to describe an actor. Did you know that? Oh, don't, don't shake I, your, you're about to shake your I head know. up and down and the, and the people at home cannot hear the audio of you shaking your head. You have to use your mouth. This is, yeah, shaking my head is, uh, is uh, podcast poison. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I, I did not know that fact, but it, it kind of makes sense because someone pretending to be who they're not. Right. That's a hypocrite and that's also an actor. Yeah. And the term hypocrite is, uh, is found in the Bible about 40 times. 25 of those are found in the New Testament. And uh, of those 25, half of those you can see is Jesus actually speaking about hypocrisy and hypocrites. Um, in fact, if you look at Matthew 23, so Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, you can see that Jesus says this. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, Lucas, who are the scribes and Pharisees? So these are the religious people of the time. You know, this is the whole idea of, you know, religious people being hypocrites is not something new. This is, oh, you know, it started back in the 50s. No, it started back, you know, Jesus' time. These are people who want to appear religious and want to appear like they are, you know, special. And it's when you're trying to portray yourself as special when obviously you're not because, surprise, people aren't special uh, in that way anyway. And so— so the scribes and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of that time. And Jesus was calling them out as hypocrites, as teaching and, and, and saying one thing, but doing something completely different. And, and then he describes them. And this is where you can get your description of a hypocrite. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. And, and so a whitewashed tomb, you know, back then they had tombs that were cut into rock. And so they were caves and, and they had this wash that they would put on the outside to make them look nice. And so you could walk up to these tombs and on the outside, they looked beautiful. They, you know, they were uh, um, adorned with all kinds of different things and looked nice. But if you stop to think for a minute and you, you thought about what was inside, it was full of death and decay and dirt and filth. And so when Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders, he was comparing them to the inside of a tomb. They wanted to look like the opposite. They wanted the people to see 
how perfect they were and how much they loved God. And, but on the inside, they were dead. So then it, it begs the question, okay, if that's what a hypocrite is, then what does God want to see inside of us? When God looks at us, what does he want to see? And uh, I, I saw this verse in Psalm 51, verse 6, and it says this. It says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And I thought this scripture really speaks to the fact that, you know what? God really cares about the inner person of who I really am. When the doors are closed and no one's around, God cares about my character and he delights, he takes joy when we have truth in the inward being. You know, Lucas, you said just a couple minutes ago about being comfortable in who we are. And, and one of the beautiful things I've found that, uh, that being a Christian and allowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit to work inside of me, it's, a, it's, it's allowed him to shape and mold me into who he's created me to really be. Because all that other stuff, that hypocrisy, all that stuff of putting on airs and pretending to be someone you're not, that's not what we were created for. We yeah. were created to, to you know, he, he made us with a purpose and, and he delights when the truth is within us. And then he teaches us wisdom in, in the secret heart. I just want to throw that to you and see what you think. No, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying there. I, I, I was thinking about, um, I'm reading a book right now called Servant Leader by uh, Ken Blanchard and Phil Hodges, I think it is. And, and he talks about basically um, how hypocrisy and, you know, kind of doing our own thing is one of the things that keeps you from being a servant leader, which is what the kind of leader that Jesus was. And he said that with hypocrisy, this comes when we start caring more about what people think than we care about what God thinks. Because yeah. the great thing is if you care more about what God thinks, God already knows all your secrets. So there's no sense trying to put on something. He knows exactly how nerdy I am. He knows exactly how, you know, how fit I am, how everything, like there's no pretending to be something with God. And I'm not made to go around trying to impress people who, here's the secret, most people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. That's what humans do. So if I go around trying to impress people who aren't even thinking about me anyway, I'm wasting so much time and so much energy when I could be focusing on things that matter and focusing on the person, you know, the God who created me instead of all this other, all these other people. I'd never thought of that before, that we put all this time and energy into pretending to be something to project to people that are, that are more focused on themselves than on what we're projecting. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like, you're my really good friend, Brad, and I barely think about you. Like, to be honest, like the hours I would think about Brad in a day and, you know, and, and and that goes for everybody in my life. Like even my best, best friends, I don't think about them that often, except when I'm with them and the odd time, other time in the day. But like, I'm not thinking about other people. I'm usually thinking about myself and that's because humans are sinful and self-centered. And I got to, now I'm working on that and trying to think of others and put others first and stuff. But, the, and I think that's one of the most freeing truths, especially the, the younger you can learn it, the better off you are is that nobody's thinking about you right now, hardly ever. So that to me isn't, that's not depressing. That takes a weight off your shoulders because you're always worried about, oh, who's, who's thinking of me now? And, and what do they think of me? And the answer is they're not. <laughs> it sounds so depressing and and uh and and 
Yeah, I don't think about you either. So I'm just throwing that out there. Take take that, <laughs> Mr. Candy. <laughs> um, so the question is this, um, am I a hypocrite? So Lucas and myself and, and those that are listening, you know, as, as we begin this journey on uh, with this podcast of being accountable and answering questions and asking questions and, and searching the word and all that, let's start from a place of, of being true to who we are right now, not who we want to be, not who we're pretending to be, but let's be able to answer the question right now. Am I a hypocrite? I, I want to answer that question and say, no, no, right now I am genuine. I am, I am who I am right now in Jesus. I'm, I'm who I'm supposed to be. It's not easy yeah. because that is not what the world promotes. That's not what TV promotes. That's not what the magazines promote. They, they call us to be something that we're not. Um, so Lucas, thank you so much for, um, for being with us. And, uh, I, I want to, I, I want to kind of shift gears just before we go. And, and you, you know, me, you've known me for a long time. I really enjoy having a lot of fun and being able just to, um, to have some goofs, you know, uh, there's a serious purpose for this podcast, but if I didn't have a good opportunity to laugh as well, um, then I would feel like I missed something. So Lucas, you familiar with Yahoo Answers? I am familiar with the service, yes. Yeah, so it's basically a place for those that are uh, unacclimated with it or don't know what it is, uh, where people send their questions and people from all over the world answer. And the questions can be crazy, the answers can be worse, and oftentimes most people don't get any help. Uh, their question just kind of gets goofed and riffed on for quite a while. But I came across this question on Yahoo Answers. And so I want to just open it up, Lucas, uh, to see what, uh, how you would answer this and maybe we'll have some conversation. <laughs> the question is this. Whose job is it to make sure my dad eats? See, that question is, it, it's very vague. Like, is this, um, obviously the kid is asking it. Is it, are they like, is this like an eight-year-old asking this? Is this like a you know, a 40 year old and their dad's like 80, like where is this even coming from? That's, that's the question. I need more background information. Okay. So the context of this question is this, it's a teenager and, okay. and they're asking, so you have to assume that if they're a teenager, their dad's probably, you know, uh, mid forties, mm -hmm. somewhere mm -hmm. in there, perhaps forties to fifties. Um, and, and so they're basically saying that uh, when their mother leaves the house and they are at home and their father is at home, if the father doesn't eat, the mother gives the child grief over the fact that the dad hasn't eaten. So their question is, whose job is it to make sure my dad eats? Oh, my word. So uh, I'm guessing there's some interesting family dynamics there. But uh, it's got to be. Got to be. You've got to, you know, probably do some kind of a, a group group assault, like all the kids against the dad. Um, I don't know why the dad's not eating. That's super weird too. Like, uh, dad, if you're, say, if you're listening, dad, if you're listening, not my dad. Yeah, my dad, my dad. <laughs> go eat, please. Go eat. Go eat. get 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 some food into you. Yep. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, that that is that is a tough one. I but I did. Was there any good answers? Did anybody have any suggestions? No. 
No, there, there were no good answers. It was, you know, it's the mom's job. It's the dad's job. And there was no, nothing, nothing, nothing that left me going, this question has been answered. We don't need to revisit it. Oh, well, no, that, that's the answer. Call his mom, call your grandmother and tell her to get your dad to eat. Oh my goodness. That's it. We solved it. We solved the internet, Brad. What? <laughs> call your grandmother and say, your son is not eating, and it is your job to feed him. We've done it. And then it. you're going to get fed, too. And the whole family is going to get fed if this happens. If you call in if you call in a tactical Nana strike, you're, everyone's getting fed. Lesson of the day, call in a tactical Nana strike. Mm-hmm. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure being able to talk with you. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast. You can also rate and review. I know we've only got a couple episodes out, so there's not much to rate and review. But the more that that happens, it pushes us up on the suggested list and gets us on the front page and just gets the word out. Um, And tell somebody about the show. I would also encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can do all of those things at Oxford Holy Club. And send us some questions because we would love to be able to answer them. Um, Send them some funny ones. Send us some serious ones. And until next week, God bless and have a wonderful week.